from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Hurts looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass that lands at the 20. No one is there. Zero's on the clock. It's over. It's over. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57 on a game-winning field goal. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Hurts goes back. He's stepping up. He's looking. Still looking. He is launching it deep downfield, and it bounces. And the seconds are gone. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won another Super Bowl. 38 to 35. Hurts takes the snap. Clock is going to be out of time, and the pass is going to be underthrown. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Everyone who claims that Chiefs Kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again for the second time in four seasons, the Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. A lot of the good calls from the uh, radio side of things with the Super Bowls, the Chiefs win. We got three hours to break it down. Really no guests because on Super Monday, we don't do guests. Uh, We're not going to get to half of what we need to get to today. We'll uh, get to more of it tomorrow, but we got the full crew in here. The company today, Willie Ramirez, Adam Hill. You heard Mitch Holtis, Chiefs Radio Network. Merrill Reese, Eagles Radio Network, and the national call that was featured here on ESPN Las Vegas with Kevin Harlan, who was fired up. He's kind of a Kansas City area guy. So a lot to break down from the game, from the coaching, from the whining, from the officials, national anthem, some commercial talk today, and then, oh, well, uh, not oh, well. uh, And, oh, yeah, let's not forget VGK this weekend, Lady Rebels, news out there, running Rebels, news out there, Raiders to get to. As well, but we come out, guys, with a, a couple of interesting notes. Um, there's been multiple teams waiting on the coaching staffs for the Eagles and the Chiefs. What do we think is closest here? Is Arizona going to get one of these guys? Is he going to name? Is Bidwell going to name someone the coach uh, before, say, the Colts? Because it looks like Shane Steichen, former UNLV quarterback, is in good shape there. So, what do we think happens? Yeah. I- I mean, this is news to me. I actually thought the second thing was done until just you said that. So I it might be done. Yeah, we've, we've I, been uh, out of commission for three hours. No, I thought yesterday it was oh. like I thought before the game yesterday it was the report was it was done. He's going to be announced whatever today, and then um, I just took that in mind. It's one of those things you read and you follow in your mind like oh that's done, and uh, I think but I think you're right. I don't think it's official official, and I think the Colts and not only were waiting but also were hesitant from what happened in 2018. And we have to wait and see if Ursay goes to use the bathroom at Steichen's house or what happens and if there's a press conference and it <laughs> then he doesn't show up or what. But I do think the Colts are still a little shell-shocked from what happened last time. I'm sure. Yeah. Willie, what do you think of Shane Steichen, former UNLV quarterback, OC with the Eagles, was with the Chargers as well, jumping at his first chance to be a head coach with Jim Ursay? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I know. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard, right, because you – you're with a a young coach, a young team that, you know, is, is obviously going to be eager to get back into the mix and get right back to it next year in the NFC. 
um, and, and you've orchestrated and put together a, a pretty good offense with with a with a quarterback who I think proved a lot of people wrong that he is more than just a dual threat, uh, you know, with his legs. But you're throwing this opportunity, and and that's what you know, that's what you're working for. That's that's why you are doing what you're doing, and and uh, so I, I think I think he's going to have a tough decision and. You know, I I don't think that he needs to make the jump so quick. I think that he's going to have other opportunities. But who are we to say that? I, I get it. You know, I get it. There's it's, also it's hey, very tough. He's torn. He's I might not. I might not have opportunities down the road. But if you're coaching the Eagles, I think you're going to have opportunities. I think they're going to keep opportunities. They're going to keep humming along. Meanwhile, Arizona seems to be down to Johnny Gannon, who frankly got destroyed yesterday uh, by the Chiefs' offense in the second half. The DC with the Eagles, and then Lou Anarumo. Is also a DC. I'm completely confused by the Cardinals. Like the most important thing, Adam, to do, I think, with that organization is resurrect and you know Kyler Murray getting pointed in the right direction. Again, it's not done, but they seem to be focused on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to a head coach. Yeah, but I also don't like. I, I think we get carried away oftentimes in you have a quarterback you need to work with and you need to fix. We need a defensive coach. Like you can give. Let an offensive coordinator and a quarterbacks coach and hire them to do their job and let the defensive coach handle the defense. I mean, that's that's possibly what they're looking at doing. I think you just have to find the best candidate, the best one that's you know willing to put a staff together that's going to work with somebody and all those other things I think are very, very important to that process. Yeah, if I were the Cardinals, I would have given, I don't know, you know, five years, 120 million, seven years, 160 to Sean Payton. But I, I think they missed the boat on that one. So I don't, I don't know. Did Sean Payton want to go there? That's the pay him. Convince him. You're right. He might, maybe behind the scenes, he's like, Kyler Murray is unsalvageable. You mentioned about bringing a DC in. I wonder if, you know, because Giants OC Mike Kafka was in the running, and now apparently within the last couple hours, he's out. But I wonder how much that has to do with Cliff Kingsbury and his failure. So, okay, well, we don't want to go that route. So he sort of, the pass ruined it for this guy's opportunity, who was in the running, now he's out of the running. So the Super Bowl Chiefs win. So well, I forgot one thing on Jim Irsay uh, before we move on. Yeah. Did, I don't know if anybody's aware of this. Me and JVT learned about this yesterday, and we're definitely going. You know he's doing a concert here soon? I saw that. I saw some uh, yeah. signage for him, and I, and I saw a Jim Irsay collection. There's I'm like, is it his art? Like, what is this? There's a commercial on the Super Bowl, I believe, is where you might have seen it also. Yeah. That's what we saw. Uh, it's a, Yeah, he has like a bunch of uh, artifacts and memorabilia and stuff, mm-hmm. and he's going to put it on display and then do a concert with his band, uh, at the uh, downtown Las Vegas events that are March fourth, we are in as a show, right? We're all we're all doing this. What, eight, what does he do? It's we, the eight, eight ball tour. First, or, wait, what? We also have to geez. get him on, and, and maybe not now. These these people are listening; they're not going to come on. Uh, <laughs> we have to get him on, and at, we have to ask about the bathroom. Like this is the most important issue of bring NFL. up that story again. So <laughs> there is the fault. There was a falling out between Josh McDaniels, Raiders coach now, and the Colts. Josh McDaniels was announced as the Colts head coach 2018 in their process. Oh, that's right. All and right. then he did not show up at the press conference and did not take the job. A story just came out a couple weeks ago that the reason Josh McDaniels backed out, backed out being the operative term, he backed out of that deal was because Jim Irsay came to the house with Josh McDaniels and his family and went into the bathroom and didn't come out for over an hour. And everybody's like, what is going on? We can't work with this guy. That's what happened. Hmm. I need to know the truth. I, I, this is the most important story. Yeah, of at least time. get an answer. Absolutely. I, believe me, when next time I talk to Josh McDaniels, it's my first question. And huh. so we have to also ask Jim Mercer to get his side. And if he's going to be here March 4th, clearly they need to promote this. 
we need to make this happen, or just go right there and go to the source. In real time, how long do you think Ben Stiller spent in the bathroom at Polly's house on that date when she gave him Indian food and he had stomach issues? Yeah, it had to be like 15 minutes. Right, because he, he overflowed the toilet, and then he was trying to unclog it. There was no plunger there. Or did he break the plunger? I just, I just remember a loofah going into the toilet. Yeah, yeah I think no, he they, broke off the plunger. Oh, man. <laughs> The, the, the stick broke off and the plunger was still in the. But we don't think we don't think it was a defecation issue with Ursay. I think it could have been both. Really? Sure. So the big question is: Does Josh McDaniels go to the concert? No. The big question. <laughs> the big question. That's that the pivot. No. Yeah. He's not, he's not going. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure? Maybe. Maybe he will. Yeah. Maybe he'll be there. We got to find out. These, any any comp, and this these, town's a good comp. These are the important questions yeah. that need to be answered. Yeah. Uh, I also I I also had the thought of maybe he was using the bathroom and I got a phone call and then he took the call, or maybe so he it just, could be something legit. Could have just been scrolling Twitter to see what people thought about the hire and got caught up. If there was TikTok back then, he would have been in there for two hours. Exactly. You can't get out. You hit back and it just plays another video. I, don't, I I think you have to go back five times now on TikTok. I thought it was two. I can't get out. It's rapid fire. Just keeps feeding up. me. So that might have been what happened. We, but again, this will be his opportunity to tell us. We need to know. For you guys, starting with Willie, what's the biggest narrative that you get out of the Super Bowl? Chiefs win, so that's two now for the combo of Reed and Mahomes. Obviously, at the very end of the game, a lot of people were bitching about the pass interference call. But for you, what's the, the biggest narrative? That Patrick Mahomes' legacy grows, and he proved that, you know, Despite being, he can play from behind in the deficit, and I think that that's <laughs> he comes out of it with that the metal that they that he has in his system in his uh-huh. G- DNA, if you his football DNA, and that the the resiliency and what we've seen and talked about, and I, I think that's for me. Obviously, there are tons of storylines, but I'm going to take the narrative that Patrick Mahomes just grew his legacy even further toward becoming the. Goat, which we've been talking about the which last. Which I had him number one two right. weeks ago. Right. Because this is what I expect to happen. I don't know if he's going to get seven, but he's going to get a lot. And that was that was typical Chiefs. I'll, I'll expand on that in, in a couple of minutes. But, Adam, what was your number one? Was it the officiating? Because it seemed like there were tons of people talking about it on the heels of what they thought was a terrible year in the NFL. And Gordell last week just said, hey, it's never been better. The officiating's never been better. Which I think is actually true. I actually agree with him. Um I yeah I well I think it's one I'm here I heard multiple people say yesterday when I was trying to flip around listen to some things um, it's gotten to the point where every close game is decided by officials <laughs> has has that not been what I've said for every every day since we started doing the show well, they wh- always why, have been why don't people recognize that because they don't they don't process when the calls aren't made. That's of a course. decision too. Of course it is, and and it's also because I'll give another reason. Betting yep. is also a big. Everyone reason. is so much more because amped up now. For a long time, national people or people that were other places, they weren't betting on the game, so they maybe didn't even have a. They didn't care who who won, and you'd watch the game and say, "Okay, cool, I like that was a good game. They, that team won." And now that you have a vested interest in the outcome, all of a sudden you get mad. But what have I said for so long? You have to be angry when a call goes your way. You have to be because you have no no place to stand when it doesn't. You don't. And to that, where are all the, the, the Eagles fans that are upset, not just over the final penalty, but they're saying that the whole game and they called it in favor of, you know, there were six penalties compared to three. 
Those same people uh, were defending the fact that Frisco got called for 11 penalties and the Eagles only got called for four in the NFC Championship. And 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 people who you're an Eagles fan early, you know, first quarter of the game, uh, the first, what is it? The, uh, the second drive for the Chiefs, I believe it was, 14-7 Eagles, Juju gets held egregiously. It was a brutal defensive hold, no call, completely missed. And you see Eagles fan, oh, hey, that's how how the game works. Sometimes, sometimes they don't call everything. Just have to deal with the bad call. That's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth quarter when they actually call it, which, by the way, it you cannot don't even if somebody starts with it wasn't a penalty, stop the conversation and don't talk Mm -hmm. to them. Of course, it was a penalty. The discussion is. Should it be called in that situation? And the answer is yes, because it should. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty all the time, and you are deciding the game. If you say, "Oh, they should decide the game," you're deciding the game by not calling the penalty. You're also deciding the game if you don't call it. So if you thought, "Hey, first quarter, hey, you got to deal with the bad calls," then you got to say the same thing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think Juju to. catches the ball in the end zone if he's not held twice. Yeah, so do I. And but but also there's also here's the other problem that people have. A misunderstanding, right, of rules, of what the situation is, all of those things. And John can can tell you this. It took everything. Me and John were watching the game yesterday. Tobel, in the public you place, guys were watching the game. And he can tell you, we it took everything in our power not to run over to a table and start screaming at some people because they were screaming, it's not catchable. The ball's not catchable. What are they doing? Uncatchable has zero to do with defensive holding. It's not even part of the rule. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. And by the way, it was uncatchable because he held him. So, like, what are you talking about? You don't even know the rules that you're screaming about. That's what we're dealing with. So, so much of the reaction is, one, like you said, more people are gambling. And let's point something out else out with officiating. For the biggest events out there, if you're listening right now, think about your mental state at the end of the game. Because this is something Adam and I used to talk about all the time with UFC officiating, right? And people didn't like bad decisions. Were you clear-minded? Yeah, that's true, too. Right? How much were you drinking? Yeah. And then the betting makes you emotional. Do you really know what you saw? Probably not. It was weird, man. The end was weird. And it doesn't take away what the Chiefs have done, because we're going to get into the legacy stuff. Um, I thought... I thought Nick Sirianni at times just coached like a complete pansy. But guess what? He coached apparently like the old guys do and did. You happy, Rex Ryan? He respected the game. He respected the He punted when he was supposed to, but he did it to Pat Mahomes. What a stupid move. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. What did I tell you was going to happen tonight? Told you Chiefs would win by three. Buckner walks it off. <laughs> they call me Snake Eye Willie because I can call the game before they happen. What's one of my famous quotes? If I tell you grass will turn to cheese, what you guys going to do? Quit your job. Start hustling crackers. You'll be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Yep, nailed it there. Harrison Buckner. Buckner? Buckner? Butler? Butler? Butler. Who's Butler? Butker. Was it Butler? Walked it off. A lot of people had the uh, Chiefs. Many more seem to have the Eagles. Did the entire Fox crew all go Eagles? Yep. Was it 7-0? and And I think everyone that sat down with us at Radio Row had the Eagles. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, there were a few Chiefs betters. A few. I was one. 
Uh, listen, for me, I wanted the value on the best player against, I think, a better team. I thought Andy Reid had an advantage over Sirianni. It turned out to be a giant chasm. His staff destroyed uh, John Gannon and Sirianni in the second half. They were 4-4 four for four on offense. And then then they just played into the Chiefs' hands. For anyone in this market, you know, especially if you concentrate on AFC West games during Pat Mahomes' time in this league, yesterday is what happens a lot. If you coach the way Sirianni did, you know, I made the reference, if you coach the way Rex Ryan would, who claims that Brandon Staley disrespects the game by going for it on fourth down, when you're third and fourth and short, I'll go all the way back to your uh, your negative 30, and you're not aggressive, especially on fourth and short inside of three, and you elect to hand the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you're going to lose almost every single time. You know who else you would lose to? Tom Brady. You know who else? Joe Montana. There's certain guys you don't give the ball to. And if it seems like it's crazy to go for it on fourth and three from your own 32, you're the crazy one. You don't watch the Chiefs. That's it. Right? You you remember going back. Bill Belichick went for a fourth down on his own 20. Why? Because his defense was leaking oil, and guess who's on the other side? It's Peyton Manning. Manning was another one of those guys. You don't give those guys the ball back, and especially when you've got this hammer in the run game with whatever the frig they're running, with this victory formation where everyone pushes forward, you're almost guaranteed to get it. So you have to coach that way. But Nick Sirianni, in the biggest moments, got a little bit scared. And I don't blame him. He doesn't have the experience of Reed, and they don't play the Chiefs on a regular basis. I mean, I, th- I thought Sirianni made some good decisions fourth down-wise, too. I mean, yeah. I-, I thought he was going for it. He, he-, he did. Well, what times. happened if he had come up short on all of his fourth down conversions? Oh, you would have been hearing everyone talking about it all the time. Yep. Because it's, it's results-based analysis. Course, nobody ever talks about it when they actually get it. Great decision. That's awesome. Great. Well, he was two for two yesterday. Yeah. So. And he should have gone for more. He had a couple more efforts. That yeah. was the, that's the but issue. But to Adam's point, no, there was not a flood on Twitter. Great call. Or as you always put it, what do you, how do you say it? Great call for not making the risky move yeah. by punting it or kicking a long field goal. Go for it. Yeah. And, and by the way, punting is actually one of the worst things that happened to the Eagles yesterday with a big return that set up yep. a touchdown anyway. So, yep. I mean, that can tell you when people are like, just punt the ball and put them in a bad spot. Not always the case anyway. No. When they say, just take the three points and kick a field goal. Not always going to make it. If, if Patrick Mahomes and his offense have the ball, they're almost never in a bad spot. Ever. Yeah. Ever. They go down the field, 80 yards in three plays if they want to. Even without Tyreek Hill. And then yesterday... I mean, you know, the thing that puts him over the top as the GOAT, like there are there are great throwing quarterbacks, great clutch quarterbacks. And then you throw in Mahomes the fact that his ankle is jacked, and all of a sudden he's running up the middle. You're like, is anyone going to tackle him? I mean, the mobility when it's most needed in, in both the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Yeah. He's amazing. I know I'm not saying anything that, you know, like reinvents the wheel of Sports Talk Radio, but... When Nick Sirianni had a chance to drop the freaking hammer and do the right thing and be aggressive and, you know, you got to freaking whatever. Press. Just cut the head off the snake by not even giving him the GDM ball. I th- you know, one thing, though, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about one of our recent shows, and I can't remember who we were interviewing, but uh, when he did get hurt near the end of the first half and there was that little, 
that little extra little on yeah. the got to go for the ankle. I was the people I was watching with. I was like, that's a great defensive play. You got to I mean, uh-huh. he he the way he dove, he had he had no choice to go low. All right. But if you noticed, there was a nice little extra on the got to. In uh, in Sirianni's defense and Steichen, they did call a, a a pretty amazing game. Yeah. Um it was, you know, it was the defensive coordinator coming up with a way to stop the Chiefs in the second half, but I mean that boy that offense that Eagles offense is nice. You know, they get downhill. Hurts adds so much because of his mobility. I thought his accuracy thrown deep was pretty good. His actually accuracy short was good. And I'll also, I mean, I know it's it, again, it's excuses and the reasons. I always talk about reasons, and and I think, you know, I've heard people calling them whiners, but I I think the defensive game plan. It's the same field. The defensive game plan of the Eagles was ruined by the field. It was a lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of action that you know was ruined by that field. I mean, they, they, at one point, they showed highlights, and it was just back to back to back to back snippets. It wasn't just one or two slips. At one point, they showed a a, a collage of of slipped. You know, I mean, so and I, I mean, we, it's, it's, it kind of weaves through the whole game. There's more things to talk about with the field, even, but I think just in particular, the defensive game plan was we haven't planned. We've done this all year. This is what we do, and you get out there and. You just if you just watch over and over again, just watch the tape of the defensive ends and they're trying to rush. And as soon as they start to get close, fall to the field, fall to the field, fall to the field. And I think as a coaching staff, you're like, wait, what? Can, wh- how can we fix this? We didn't have any plan for our guys can't run because they fall down over and over again. And they change cleats. And I know you know there was that the criticism that I've heard today of, hey, you you were winning in the first half. Why would you change cleats? Because our guys keep falling down. Right. Every single time they're rushing, they're falling down. We need them to stay upright to go. And again, I, I had the Chiefs, so that's fine. But hmm. I think it is fair to say that they weren't able to adjust <laughs> when their guys could not stand up, and they say, "Well, how, what do you? How do you adjust off of that?" That's when you're probably not that prepared for. I'm surprised the worries about the field didn't get out before the game in terms of the total. That hey, this field may suck. The defense is at a disadvantage. They don't know where the guys are going. Well, that but. I, I think that that also could have worked in in Betters' minds, where just like on a snowy or rainy field during the regular season, it could have also worked against the total and, and where people think it's going to stay. Players under. are falling down. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, what what are the chances that the Raiders and the Al get this right next year? I mean, how often have you looked at the field? Here? Right, that's what I'm saying. The field the field has consistently been less than stellar here. But I I almost think. I almost think they tried too hard in Arizona, right? Where the field might not be great, but it's it's not, you know, it's still it's still, you know, it's just kind of there and it's just kind of worn down and looks bad. There they tried to make this like glorious surface, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of what went wrong. By the way, how just, about how about this revolutionary idea? Oh, why not just use turf? You have it at the Al. Players hate it. You know, I'm sure UNLV will take $50 million for it. <laughs> oh, is that unrealistic? Sure. sure. That they would ask sure. for the... Okay. Sure. Are you uh, sure the players would say what? No? I mean, is, that, is there that big a difference between gra- like poor a poor grass field and the newer artificial turf fields? Injury-wise, I mean, in, in, in the, on a poor grass field, you slip to the ground and don't get to the quarterback. On a turf, you might shatter your ACL. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna catch something. It's gonna you know you're gonna. It doesn't. Well, here's the thing. We we can sit here and say, well, what are they gonna do next year? They better not screw it up. They also got you know 
52 weeks to figure it out. Cardinals had a while. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I feel I feel so bad. Did you see the head groundskeeper? Wasn't they call him the sod father? Wasn't it George Thomas, who's ninety five years old? Ninety four. I mean, do we go ages yeah. here? Yes. Like, hey, he just doesn't have it anymore, bro. Like, what worked in nineteen forty eight isn't working now. He worked for the Brooklyn Dodgers. I don't. I don't. I don't know enough <laughs> about him recently. Obviously, I've heard the name. He's probably the most. I he's probably the only groundskeeper I've ever heard of yeah. by name. And let's not forget that you're you're so you're running on this turf in the first half. You're traipsing out the halftime show. Then removing well, but that, it. But that is part of the deal. Right. No, I understand. But yeah. it was already in bad shape. So now then you saw the people right on right afterwards. They showed it real quick. They showed people out there replacing divots, trying to pack mm. it. How in. do the floating stages, though, affect the uh, the field? Some, some of the stages are on the ground. On there, right? yeah, some yes. of the stages are on the ground. Yeah. Yes. Don't, 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 be, don't get snied. <laughs> I'm trying to learn more about the field. I think turf. Turf next year. The UNLV field. And keep the UNLV logo on it. Yeah, that, yeah exactly. Keep uh, we'll logo. get, yeah, right. We'll get back to the complaining about the officiating, the brilliance of the performances on both sides. By the way, you can come in and do a Super Bowl show uh, after the game and go, hey, you know what? There were units that were really good. There were players that were really good. We can actually celebrate the high level of football. There was really good coaching in this one as well. But up next, what happens with the Super Bowl? Like already, you know, opening block of the show. Uh, GOAT, Legacy, Mahomes, how many more is he going to win? We started to hit on that. Um, I heard almost immediately after the Chris Stapleton National Anthem that it was right there with Whitney Houston. I am the source on National Anthems. I watched for like three hours today, just driving around, crying half the time. So my cry index is what I use. Stapleton's was good, but it was not Whitney Houston. And there's actually, there's actually been a bunch recently that people just forget about that have been brilliant. Wednesdays, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. Jose, can you see by the dawn's Coalfield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. So I'm really into the National Anthem at the Super Bowl because it's uh, closely judged. And then everyone has an emotional feeling about it. So that was Chris Stapleton yesterday. The total was uh, 206 and a half, I guess 126 seconds and a half. Chris Stapleton tried to draw it out. He didn't try, but you know it, it was long, but not long enough. There was other numbers out there. I saw 159 and a half. That's yeah. why I uh, I timed it with my phone. What'd you have it at? 159.8. Yeah, I had like I had like two minutes even, but I also couldn't hear it like super well. Yeah. Um, but I have two minutes even and or 201. Um, am I a lunatic after an emotional national anthem? The room I was in was actually a room filled with a lot of 55 plus people. I stood up and yelled, 
201, 201, 201. And people turn around and like, what is going on? Why is this lunatic yelling 201? I assume people would just know. They would understand. I, oh, I don't I, think I, most people in that room were very casual betters. Like they didn't. They, they heard the roar of the coin toss and they were like, "What the hell's going on?" I literally just posted a, a screenshot of my phone with the official time. Yeah. It didn't even make a comment. Yeah, I just posted the time. Yeah. I well, saw, I on, saw on, on Twitter, people are gonna react. I, know. I saw your tweet. I timed it, but I hit the wrong. I pulled up my clock <laughs> and I hit timer. Instead of stopwatch, so when I hit stopwatch, I figured, well, I'm just going to have to add guesstimate, and it and it finished at 158. So I was assuming it was like over 158 point whatever. So I said, ah, it's probably around 203. And I saw Matt Jacob, uh, local reporter, who uh, and I can't remember what his was. So it was around where I would have had it. So I retweeted his, but it nevertheless it went under because that number ended up being inflated. The posted number, yeah, it was way too high. Yeah, Yeah, way too high. Everyone so what what do you what do you think of it in general the performance? I thought the performance was fantastic. Um, there's got to be a I, I believe there's an underlying storyline with Sirianni, right? Is there something about his mom or something that I don't know what there I, I, he why he I don't think he just got emotional for the for the for the national anthem itself. I think that there's a storyline and it's it's I have to I, I was trying to Google it and find it I couldn't find the story, but overall I thought the performance was great. Um, you mentioned before the break about people all of a sudden they were tweeting right up there with Whitney or just as good or I didn't see anybody say replacer, which is good. Don't ever say that. Yeah. Um, I, I just went through the list of, of them, and, and I wrote down immediately the ones that I could think of that easily were better. And so he's definitely not in the top seven of mine. Yeah, I had him number 11. And I only did, I only did back to uh, Super Bowl twenty five. But I had him at number eleven. He, you know, I'll watch it again. He could move up a little bit. Um, it, it's interesting. One, the song's really hard to sing, and when you take a chance and you change things up, I really admire that. When your arrangement's different, now it's funny because I think a, a lot of people appreciated that he changed up the song. I just want to play you the second best national anthem of all time, especially because of time and place. And people hated this at the time, but that's why the song was so special, and it was changed a lot. You get the feel there. That was a crazy arrangement at the time. That was 1968, Game 5 of the World Series. I mean, think about how hardcore people are about changing the national anthem. Jose Feliciano did that in 1968 with all of the tumult that was going on at the time. So, Chris Staples did a good job. That's, that is, for a changed arrangement, that's the standard bear forever. Jose Feliciano. Just- First of all, this entire conversation is offensive. Um, I would say the fir- the best one ever was 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alanis Morissette just crushed the national anthem. Where? Of, of Canada, the national anthem. Right. Uh, well, you love the Canadian national anthem. Often we say the national anthem, like right. America's the only place that has a national right. anthem. Right. right. Yeah. Alanis crushed it. I think it was great. I've Adam seen the Filipino I- national anthem combined with the Mexican national anthem, not once, but played back to back at boxing matches as moving. As any as moving as Whitney. For sure. But our national anthem. That was the time. <laughs> I get your well, point, though. Well, we've gone from our national anthem to sports national anthems, because you now you're talking about World Series, and now Adam's brought in elsewhere. 
So it's not just the Super Bowl where I just rank the Super Bowl. But I, right. I know that during Golden Knights games, Adam, uh, myself, and I think Danny Webster are the only ones that probably applause after every Canadian national anthem. And sing. Sing along. And, and yell at one, you know, different parts where you're supposed to yell out. I will say part of, part of Chris Stapleton's uh, anthem that got ruined was was the uh, Chiefs fans taking a big dump all over the end. You got to stop. That was you actually, stop. And, and on a real level, that was part of why it was tough to to time it because yep. you, you you couldn't hear the end of the yep. of his note over the Chiefs scream. Yeah, which how disrespectful is it to scream something during the national anthem? I'll wrap this soon because Adam's not really into the whole national anthem thing as, <laughs> as much about? as I am. Yeah. I, re- I really lo- I love the good performances. I hate the performative stuff. So what I do during the national anthem is different every time, depending on who's around me. Because I'm going to do, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah, but my top ten, and this is only going back to Super Bowl twenty six, only because I watched like you know two hours today of, of national anthems. Um, believe it or not, Adina Menzel, who's Broadway, you know, from Frozen, I, I think the second best of all time. Lady Gaga. Most of them are recent too. Yeah. Like. Singers, I, because they just sound better. But singers also, I don't think rehearsed enough. And when I get to some singers who are legendary, you're like, "Well, they really blew it." Yeah, not good. Well, just like athletes, we're getting better. We, you know what? They are. Yeah. Um, I have Lady Gaga three. Gladys Knight was unbelievable because mm-hmm. it go it goes from like kind of somber to celebratory at the end. Awesome. I thought Pink was amazing. You're gonna. There's a lot of women who do that. Men don't get a chance to do it. That's the other thing. Yeah. Man, there should be more men doing it, but there's a lot of big voice women who just they get out of control. And like I have Christina Aguilera in the last like 30 years, the second worst, just awful. She forgot a verse in the middle of the song because she's so concerned with ah, whatever it runs are. It's like stop, just just sing. That's the part of the anthem I like. No, it's terrible. Uh, also, no, you can do it, but also, there, there are people it, who do it, but they're good at it. But some of these are very very good anthems. Is, yep. and, and this is going to relate to something we talk about with the halftime show too. But is is it not fair? Like, do we remember Whitney's not for the anthem, but for the situation? Which well, is not that was really part of it. Fair. With Desert Storm, yeah. That, if we're going to score anthems, we have to take yeah. emotion out of this. Um, no, I think it's all part of it. But okay. I, I had Demi Lovato six. I thought Eric Church, who I don't think a lot of people outside of country know, and Jasmine Sullivan doing a duet a couple of years ago. When I watched it again, I was like, holy crap. Like, he was good. And then when they were together, because she's like repeating stuff he's saying. I'm like, this, I don't even know how they got this done. Last year's was really good too. Mickey Guyton, who like a lot of people don't know, was crazy. I had Stapleton at nine. And then after that, I'll just give you some quick old ones. I have Cher at 10. Her, she did a triple brave at the end. Unbelievable. And then she's off, not the first. Throws off the bet though. No, I don't, who cares about the bet? <laughs> um, Luther Vandross did an awesome one at Super Bowl 31. Jordan Sparks was great at 32. Kelly Clarkson, another one of these big voice. Ladies was great because she kept it under control. That was awesome. Can I give you a shocker? 14th best Super Bowl on my list in the last like 30 years. Kathy Lee Gifford. I remember she did it. She kicked ass in that one. Uh, Faith Hill, Jennifer Hudson, Beyonce, Natalie Cole did a combination of the national anthem and America the Beautiful, which I like it was it was tremendous. And then the bottom of my list, the my list, Adam. Um, boy, oh boy, they had the Backstreet Boys do it in 2001. It was Unreal how bad it was. Oof. Terrible. Aguilera, Garth Brooks, Harry Connick. Um, a lot of the guys who sing it are scared. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to go, you know, to do. That's that's why what Stapleton did yesterday was awesome because he really took a chance. And that's why Luther was great because he he could take, I mean, he could read a book. He could read, yep. he could read a sports page 
and and make it a love ballad. I mean, he could so he could with the way that he used his voice in my eight in front of Chris Stapleton, just off the top of my head, yeah, yeah. and that is uh, he's the only male. But I had Whitney, and this is in no particular order, but Whitney, Diana Ross, Luther Vandross, Beyonce, Jennifer Hudson, Carrie Underwood, Jordan Sparks, and Lady Gaga. I thought Carrie Underwood was horrific. Really? Not horrific. She she didn't have a big enough voice. And then we also know about her, the way she behaves in Vegas, so it's just hard for me to judge her objectively. <laughs> you, she's just, just she's a freaking like, creep. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, who, was, who, who told a good story? I saw Cincinnati radio host. Oh, we're going to get, you know what, up next, we'll get to Rihanna. And the Cincinnati radio host claimed that Rihanna came into Clear Channel years ago in Cincinnati and had the edict that you could not look her in the eye. So from Vegas people, that includes Carrie Underwood, Diana Ross, Barbara Streisand have pulled that here, which I think is one of the most incredible things about singers. Like, you can't look me in the eye. I don't. I have never believed it has ever happened once. I, I, I absolutely <laughs> believe it's it. something somebody said about people somebody get, one time, and now so that's <laughs> what we use. As the, and I, I heard uh, randomly. I, I you believe heard, Diana Ross did it, but Rihanna would never do that. Rihanna would never. Yeah, that's uh, what I it also, is. Yeah, that's what it is. I also, I heard a, uh, an interview with Ariana Grande recently, yeah. where she was talking about there was a story not that long ago that she forced people to carry her everywhere she went. Right, and she was talking about. It, she's like. That is, it's the silliest thing I've ever but heard. But she's also, isn't she the one who called most Americans fat slobs because they like donuts? Yeah, you know, when she was like, drunk. And yeah, she was, you're naturally she, yeah. 87 pounds, sure. lady. Sure. It's but a little the, easier. But that was, that's one of the craziest things. But it's like one of those things that just goes around and we're like, yeah, that happened. But I, I think maybe one person joked about it one time and now mm-hmm. it's the definition of being a, a complete diva. Nobody can look me in the eye. I don't think it's ever happened. More on the officiating in the Super Bowl in the 4 o'clock hour. Coaching by Sirianni. The offensive adjustments at the break by the Chiefs. But I know Adam was very much into the halftime show. We all thought it was very good. But there was a group out there who were like, eh, just so-so. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. First and goal from the four. Now Hurts on the key. Has the seam and Jalen Hurts is in for the touchdown. His second rushing touchdown today. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. We're in the dark right now, and we can stay here, or we can fight our way back to the light. One inch at a time. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They are in every break of the game, every second. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone around us to pieces for that inch. Claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. Uh, Serena Cognac commercial. Should she have done it like Pacino? You know? The inches are everywhere around us. Like, not, I don't do a good Pacino, but like growling, growling. She did did it fine. Yeah. What do you think Andy Reid did at the half? You have an Eagles highlight there from Fox. I, think he, I don't I, even is he. I don't even know if he's like a rowdy halftime speech guy. No, nah, I feel like he probably walked out and watched some of the halftime show. He let Serena do that speech. Yeah, I think so. They just played it. Guys, watch this commercial. I'm going to go watch Riri. Riri. Hmm. You think that's what he did? Just took a break. Hey, he's like, just left everything you know, to be enemy. I'm getting out there. One of the who was uh, was it? 
MVS, one of the players earlier this week, is like, I think they're going to let us watch it. Like, I, can't, I don't really want to miss it. <laughs> no, you can't watch it. You're down. <laughs> well, I you're think down, you're getting the assumption. The assumption was you wouldn't be down. But, right. yeah, he was like, I, I hope we get – because it's a long halftime. You get way longer yeah. than usual. You don't, you're not going to have – usually you're used to, by the time you get off the field, get into the locker room, get hydrated, and, and have a speech or whatever, it's like three or four minutes they get to actually talk. Now it's 25, 30 minutes. You actually get to sit there and talk. Like, the coach is not going to fill that much time. I think you can walk out and check it out a little I bit. I think you'd be surprised how much time they're going to fill. All so, right, Willie. So Brianna? This just in from uh, from the NFL. A hundred and this um score six year high of 113 million viewers all um for the for the game. Halftime show starring Rihanna, 118.7 million. Most streamed Super Bowl ever, most streamed event in Fox Sports history. Nice. So the NFL continues to struggle. Yeah. Mm. Go woke, get broke. Yeah, all those. Remember people? how four years ago people would revel in the That's fact it. if it dropped to like 102 million? Yeah. It's falling apart. Yeah, we're not going to okay. watch it anymore. Wasn't yeah. it like 23 of the top 25 most watched shows this year were NFL? Yes. Yeah. It's dying. <laughs> it's dying because they have a, a couple of uh, social media initiatives, which mostly, again, are performative. And but our, you're not yeah. going to watch. Sure, you're not. And are still going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yes. it's, not, it's like it went away. So, yes, it's still not affecting the way people thought it might, for sure. <laughs> All right, Willie, you have the floor first. We'll carry this over into the 4 o'clock hour. I know you guys are very much into the halftime show. Rihanna? I was, and I was anticipating. I was sitting there waiting as I'm listening to each song, and I'm waiting for who. I'm like, okay, who's coming out? Who's coming out? And as it it became very apparent, she was not bringing anybody out. I thought for me, that's like you asked me at the beginning of the show what I took away from the Super Bowl. I'm taking that away more than anything, that she was like – when she said, my special guest, and we found out who the special guest was. But beyond that, she just said, F it. I don't need anybody. I thought that was dope. Anybody or men? I don't think she needed anybody Anyone. to come on. To That's the way I took it. No. I don't need a man. I'll do this on my own. Well, ASAP All those collabs, I don't need it. No, I don't think that she – I just think that she went out there and, and, and knocked, the, knocked, knocked it out of the park – in in that she was doing a solo show, and it was vi- and she was doing it solo with Baby and Belly, and and that was that there was a clear message there. I, I t- and then about two hours later, I was completely stunned and, and shocked, and that I'm scrolling through Instagram, and there's a young lady who spent some time here in Las Vegas, and I knew her when she was on the Portland Trailblazers dance team. She was in the show. She was one of the dancers in the. Oh wow! That was pretty cool. But beyond that, that's what I took more than anything was kudos to her. She didn't. She said, "Screw it, I'm not bringing anyone out." She. I referenced this earlier that we're judging Whitney Houston based on what was the time. It was a tough uh-huh. time. It was uh-huh. great. Um, Rihanna's show was amazing, but it's because yep. Rihanna's amazing, yep. and she can go out there and just have 13 straight songs that are all number one hits, yep. like number one, number one, number one, number one, number one. It didn't matter what she did; it was going to be great no matter what. So it was like it's not a fair comparison. Like she's going to crush anyone, right? Oh, okay. She got. I think she got extra credit afterwards when people found out that she was pregnant. Because I saw a lot of people who were watching. They're like, oh, "This is kind of so-so. She's not really moving a whole lot." I'm like, "Can you not see what she looks like <laughs> yeah, here?" Right. Immediately, that was our. We had a, like, a big I, group. I thought about it immediately, of but but it was funny as it went along. I'm, I'm looking at social media, and some people were complaining. Uh, women were complaining. So good job getting on another woman. That always helps you guys. Um, I'm like, she can't dance like she normally would. She can't perform like she normally would. 
I was a little uncomfortable with going up on this wobbly yeah, yeah, platform, yeah, yeah. too. Trying to keep my balance. Like, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't notice that there was a cable holding there behind her that was that was latched to the platform. I thought it was really good. I thought yep. it was really good. We'll have more on Rihanna and the halftime performance, all the other stuff around the game. Cofield and Company on a Monday, Super Bowl Monday. Should be a national holiday, damn it.